uh, Julia, you just your opening gambit just for a voice test was to tell me you're off to be interviewed by Al Jazeera, and that's about crossing Jerusalem, is it? Yes, uh, I'm going to be interviewed by two Arab uh, TV stations this afternoon. You say that you're off to speak to Al Jazeera. That sounds like a really hopeful sort of thing to me, that yes, Al Jazeera are interested. True. I've got an actor who's from Sudan who's playing the Palestinian, and uh, so I'm being interviewed with him. Yes, and the Israeli actor, uh, Adi Lero, so they'll have an Israeli, uh, a Sudanese, um, me, a Brit. You think there is some hope for the future because your play is quite tense isn't it and I I wasn't sure it you know on the other hand the younger characters at least on the Israeli side do seem to be really making an effort to connect but do you do you really believe there is that hope for the future I think I, I think it's a very small glimmer but the fact that there is the glimmer I think there is still a, a group of people who are very keen to to, to talk to connect uh, they are the minority, but as long as there is that minority, I, I guess I feel quite hopeful. I don't think it's in, there was any immediate solution. But the desire to talk and the fatigue, I think, on both sides means that there is now a new generation or several generations who've had enough of war and fighting and then who do want to talk it through. I'm not a politician, so I don't know what the answer is, and I'm rather for a two-state solution would be my, my preference here. But I think uh, the glimmer of hope is there, or, or that's how I feel, because I do know Israelis were speaking to Palestinians, albeit very secretly, and not in the area. But I know those discussions are going on. Well, I'm very pleased to hear that. But the play is full of tension and um, tragedy, in fact. And to me, it seems that your characters... You avoid them being schematic, but they're sort of standing for the situation, aren't they? And we've all agreed that the play is unfortunately timely again. So what made you revive it, and did you change it in any way? Uh, I changed very little because it's set in 2002 in the last Intifada. I wanted to revive it because I don't feel that the debate and the multiplicity of debates and the kaleidoscopic nature of debate in Israel is heard in the West, or certainly not in Britain. And I wanted to show how complicated it is so that you have an Israeli who appears to be extremely right-wing and unsympathetic, and by the end of the play you realize that actually she's much more complicated and isn't, doesn't fit into that box. I feel that Israeli opinion is boxed in in the Western media and, and certainly in the British press. And so the play feels very timely not a great deal has changed, and, and the same struggles are going on. To do with the identity, to do with what is a Jew, what is an Israeli, to do with the relationship to the land, to do with the, the shadow of the Holocaust and the way that still plays out on the Jewish diasporic and, and Israeli identity. So those issues seem to be very present, and therefore I wanted to revive the play for a new generation. When you originally wrote it, how did you create the characters. I mean, I know you've talked to the Jewish Chronicle about walking around um, Israel and, and not necessarily revealing, you managing to hide that you're Jewish, not really saying anything particularly that were, but talking French and being rather alarmed when um, Arabs, as you might well expect them to do, t talked about the pipe dream of a, of a, of a Jew-free land. So what was it that made you write it then? It's years of, of observation uh, from my teenage years to now. So I think I absorb like a sponge these voices and gradually they accumulate and become characters for me. And um, the women characters are very much sourced on 
probably about 20 different women, but they become uh, gathered together to, to form a composite of, of, a, of a new female character. I knew I wanted to write a Sephardi Jew who came from an Arab country. I knew I wanted to explore that being an Arab doesn't necessarily mean being a Muslim, that the, the interface between culture and religion was something I wanted to explore. So to have a Sephardi Jew from Algeria. We've just been interrupted by the, some church bells, so I turned off my microphone. But actually, that's really quite relevant, isn't it, church bells? Because, you you know, you have got this... this very complicated fabric of religion in, in Israel, and that's important in the play, isn't it? Right. The, the creation of the Arab Christian character, for example, I have met Arab Christians uh, in Israel and in Palestine, and I wanted to express a group who were never really much thought about, and who are themselves a minority and feel persecuted by uh, Muslim Arabs in, in Palestine and in Israel. This is an unspoken area and a disturbing area, and I wanted to express that as well. So the, the Arabs you have are Muslim, Jewish, and Christian within the play, and I wanted to personify those and, and to raise that debate, but through the embodiment of character rather than through any dogmatic political point of view. Um, yeah, but the other women, I have a bad mother. Varda is a very bad mother, and uh, probably the core of the play, she drives it forward, and she's a businesswoman. She's a, a state agent, real estate. And so the idea of how a human being can carry with them the history through their work. So being an estate agent means that you are dealing with property, but who owns the land, who owned the land? Those huge questions behind the current political situation are embodied in, in someone's job and in someone's character. So yes, I had an aim to, to look at the history and, and the conflict, but through the lives of the people. And so the struggle for me was how to create this play, one from the experience, two from the many uh, research areas I've done, for example, going to lectures by Israelis in London who are refusing to serve in the territories that fueled a whole area of looking at refuseniks, to the various women who are perhaps my mother's generation who have influenced the writing of, of the older woman Vada. Well, I have to admit, I have difficulty with her, you know, I, I didn't take to her, but I probably wasn't meant to. No, why should women characters always be sympathetic? We, we, Richard III is hardly a sympathetic character, and yet we, we love his monstrosity. Mm. And so I, I quite enjoy creating characters who don't fit into stereotypes of uh, good mothers and uh, sweet peacemakers. The warring woman interests me a lot. It's very funny. I mean, there's not really funny lines that you, you come up with. That's important, isn't it? Not just the, there's the humour in Sergei. Sergei, the second husband, who's a Soviet Jew, who's got this wonderful catchphrase, sorry about that which, you know, is both irritating and very, very funny. Um, but there's other, lots of other... There's wry humour in it quite a lot. That's probably quite important to you. Um, I did like Alzheimer's, the perfect Jewish disease. Is that you or have you nicked that? It's very good. I can't patent it, but I think it's me. Mm. Because, uh, I mean, obviously you're talking wryly and ruefully about... We've got a lot we perhaps would like to forget, but some something we, we, we choose to forget, I think, is what you're talking about there, is select, selective forgetfulness. Is that right? Well, it's both funny and it's serious. I, I'm using the music of Orpheus and Eurydice uh, as a metaphor as well. The idea of looking back is something that runs through the play as a, as a, a drip feed, in fact. So Alzheimer, if we forget our past... Does that help us move forward? What, what's the importance of forgetting the past? Or, do, or should we remember our past? And it seems to me that is a very important part of the play, 
looking back can, can freeze you like Locke's wife, or it can help you inform the present and the future. So it, the jokes are seemed as part of the most serious part as well, so that we look at one argument, but from many points of view, through Jewish humour and, and through serious debate. I liked old people, they shouldn't be born, I think. Yeah. <laughs> is that you or is that just an old Jewish joke? It's very good and you use it well in the right place. <laughs> Go on, I want you to admit whether it's you or not. Uh, I don't know if that's me. I, I think I probably just absorbed that and then parked it and then it came out of the mouth of one of the characters. Other lines like, too much history, not enough geography. Yes, I absolutely love that. I have I've wrote that down. I was scribbling a lot, actually. And that's horribly true, isn't it? I mean, there, these are nice little aphorisms that sum things up. But there was another one you said about trying to die old in the place where your ancestors died. Yeah. Now, that's something we, the Jews, mostly don't... Well, certainly the Jews just who moved to Israel after the war have pretty well no chance of that yet. I mean, that's probably just coming. But you, I think you were speaking for the Arab community then. That that... Yeah, the Arab Christian. So the, the character of the Arab Christian is the man who serves whoever's in power, the idea of, of Jerusalem and its surroundings being a gateway from the Romans and the Crusaders and uh, the, the British, Ottomans before the British, obviously. The idea of the person who in a way collaborates with whoever's in power. I find that a rather intriguing character. Um, I'm not sure what the moral values are behind that, but the desire to survive, the very human desire to survive and to to have a relationship with the land so that your ancestors are buried in the land around you. It's something I've observed, uh, particularly in France and small communities where where families are buried and, and there isn't this feeling of we belong everywhere. But the feeling of belonging to one particular territory, one land, um, and it rather haunts me because I see it in my Israeli cousins, that they have a love for the land and a, and a symbiotic feeling to it, which I don't have, and that's because I was born in Europe. Um, and so that character expresses the other side of belonging to the land on the very deepest level. And perhaps, personally, I, I, I question, do we ever own land? Uh, is the only land we own the one we're buried in? So those mm. kind of questions are seemed around that, that character. You talk a lot about the trauma of service in the territories, and you know that's something well, anybody, except the most right-wing person, can, can really feel for that. Another thing I liked very much was a rotten Israel versus the de decent Jude. Talk a bit more about that. Yes, I'm very interested in this. So, uh, of course, I was... I was born after the state of Israel was born, and, and the concept of the Israeli and the Jew was something I learned very young. My father was a great Zionist, and he would say that the Israeli is, is muscular, is physical, can work on the land, is not an intellectual, shrinking, fearful being, uh, that men and women go to the war, and, and they are proud of their relationship to the country and to the land, and they're part of it. And my own... Uh, I suppose my own sensibility, which is very much a diaspora Jew, and I'm not good at physical sports, I love everything that's intellectual and bookish and cultural, that I am a stereotype of that. And so I began to think, what, does, what is the morality of a Jew, what is the morality of an Israeli? If you have a state and if you have a war machine and if you have to defend that state, then of course you have to break certain moralities. But by doing that, that offends your sense of being a Jew because you are also a Jew. If you're an Israeli, you're a Jew usually. And so therefore that is uh, an, an inner conflict. And so the character of Gideon says, I may be a rotten Israeli, but I want to try and be a decent Jew. And so that conflict 
is something that always haunts. Every day I think about that, and uh, therefore it's in the play and it's embodied in that character. Maybe the big hope for the future is that everybody has to be slightly more rotten Israelis and, um, and slightly more decent Jews. Well, maybe the two should meet in the middle in some way. I mean, I'm, I'm dumping the guilt on us, aren't I? And I don't mean it like that at all. I just find it very uncomfortable at the moment, the whole situation. You know, I can't do my country right or wrong with Israel, although I support the state of Israel. And I think most Jews I know feel the same. I feel the same too. And I'm a secular Jew. I don't have to the shul and uh, I believe Israel should be a secular state. But I know that's a very inflammatory thing to say. And, and I understand what I'm saying is... is a kind of nonsense, but at the same time, it does disturb me that, that it is a religious state. Equally, I don't like living in a, in a country in the United Kingdom, which is a religious state. I prefer to live in a secular state. Uh, I think France, as a secular state, has, is a better role model, where the religion is private and, and not part of the state. So I have all sorts of conflicts around that. But I do believe, out of realpolitik and my knowledge of, of, of anti-Semitism, that there should be a state for Jews but I believe it should be secular, so that's my engagement with it. I know we started on a sort of note of cautious optimism, and I really don't want to end on a note of pessimism, but I'm probably going to have to. It seemed to me very significant that as we went to see your play, as it previewed, we were reeling from the horror of, I think, waking up one morning and, and bursting into tears to find that um, settlers had firebombed this um, Palestinian house and killed a baby outright and that now two more members of the family are dead. It's, I find it really hard to get back from the guilt on, on that one. And I, Even you know Netanyahu has had to go to the hospital, has had to show those sorts of statements-like like qualities. So that's where we are today, that you know, the, the world presumably looking on and condemning Israel again, but any right-thinking Israeli totally condemning it. And, of course, all that within the Jewish community itself, you know, the, the, the murder of this young lesbian woman at a gay pride march. I mean, you talk about a secular state. There's something really terrifying going on there. Does that make the play more relevant? And will it continue to do so? I think it does. The play has no religion in it. I was very careful that there would be nothing that would be particularly about religion. So there isn't a mention of religion. It is cultural it is tribal, uh, and it is the intersection between tribes. But I think the fact that the Arab-Israeli woman and the Palestinian young man do talk, that there are relationships between Arabs and Jews, I think, however small, that does lead to some optimism. I do think that I agree with you. I screamed at the radio when I heard that terrible story about the arson attack and the gay pride murder. But I would punish those settlers, absolutely, and I think it's despicable. But of course you are dealing here with the power of, of small political parties, and we have to go back to the way the state was set up, that power is given on proportional representation to very many small parties to whom elected governments remain in thrall. So I think it's a political situation in a reorganization of how the vote happens the whole electoral policy needs rethinking. That's massive, I know. But, but on, on the human level, I think one-to-one, -one, the fact that the play is happening, that I have Arab actors 
uh, learning from it, and I have uh, Israeli actors learning from it, and British actors who don't know that much learning from it. The, the, the importance of art, the importance of making culture to educate even a small amount of uh, practitioners who then show that work to audiences. I think theatre is an enormous tool of op optimism and hope. And if I'm showing this as a Greek tragedy, which I think is how it, it appears in the end, from that Greek tragedy there is discussion and there is hope by the fact that we're talking about it. Is that what you're finding among audiences after the show? Yes, absolutely. They, they want to talk, they, they hear material they've never thought of before. They're inspired, even. They, they'll say things like, oh, I enjoyed it. Oh, that's not the right word. What they're also saying is I was terribly stimulated. I never thought of that. I've never heard that. I've never laughed at that. I've never felt that. And so... That, to me, is very hopeful that you're transmitting a seed of hope and controversy and uh, something that's provocative and stimulating into a debate that's rather moribund in British culture.